Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil, back in the bunker, Potter. You gotta put some gravy on that. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest is the most interesting man in the world. Originally from Queens, New York, he currently lives in California. He's a writer of children's books. He and Ted Alexander created an award-winning web series entitled Teacher's Lounge, and he has a YouTube show entitled Pop Culture Graveyard, where he deep dives into your favorite bands, TV shows, etc. It's amazing, and this is ironic because a deep dive into this guy is a treasure chest of awesome. It's Hollis James. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, that oh. lived up to the hype. Yeah, there you I, go. I, I, may, I may not. I may not. <laughs> no, you will. It was just genius. One of my, every time your name comes up randomly here in New York, I'm like, <laughs> I know this guy. He's amazing. <laughs> like, wait, were you named, it's driving me nuts. Were you named after Hollis Queens? Yes, that is where I'm from. And so, wait, so your full so, your real name is in Hollis? Or is it? Yeah, your... no, it's, uh, yeah, my zip code was 11423. So I, uh, that is where I'm from. And at a certain, at a certain point in my life, it was, uh, where I'm from was, was, uh, I realized that that made me. And I was just named after my dad, which is James. I was like the, the 18th James in a row. And so <laughs> to, to kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, bring my own individuality and kind of stake out my own territory. I just renamed myself Hollis James. <laughs> well, is, is your last name something unpronounceable? Like Louis C.K.'s is unpronounceable. That's why it's like Kopchevsky or something. So he just goes by Louis C.K. Cause nobody sort can... of it's Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go if, you know that's a moniker for sure i'd rather get hollis yeah, james is cool yeah. man nobody's Which, named hollis thank you my man yeah well, you can see why i wanted to spice it up yeah <laughs> james but, smith uh, you know, yeah yeah back back uh actually i i first used it when i started djing and then uh later when i got into um a business that everyone changes their name in, which was uh, the adult business. I, uh, you know, my first day, the guy was like, what do you want your pseudonym to be? And so <laughs> I just said my DJ name. I was like Hollis James. And so he's like, great. So awesome. I've been Hollis now for maybe longer than I've been, uh, well, you know, my given name. Does your wife call you Hollis? Yes. Yeah, she, she only knows me as Hollis. Oh my Lord. Let's not tell her then. I she only, doesn't even know. I only know, <laughs> I only know you because Lenny always goes, "No, you don't want to do that. You want to be like Hollis James. That's what you want to be. <laughs> you're like a, you're like a thing you want to be in life. But that's wow. how I know you. That's <laughs> for sure. Oh, wow. You, you well, did, I'm very what, grateful for that. Where did you meet Ted? <laughs> you know, where and when did you meet Ted? <sighs> Ted and I met way back in college. Uh, I was a I was a freshman, and he was. He was like a year or two older than me, and we had a mutual friend in the theater 
company because uh, we were always doing shows in the drama department. And she was like, oh, you got to meet Teddy. You're going to love Teddy. And I'm like, I fucking hate him already. <laughs> it's like, you know, just the way she said it and the kind of like anytime tells, someone tells me you're going to love this guy, I invariably I hate him. Right. So I was just bracing myself. And he comes in and he was just like, you know, I, I, I would. I was actually making fun of him right before she's like, Oh, Teddy's coming. Teddy's coming. And I was like, Oh, this fucking dick. And, and, and then he comes in the door and I'm like, Hey, how's it going, Ted? And, and he was like the sweetest, most down to earth, most lovable. Yeah. But he also, he had a, you know, he had a little magic to him. He had, yeah. he was funny. And so we just, we hit it off immediately and we're kind of inseparable for the rest of his time at, at college with me. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And, Wait, with the whole time you're in college, are you like a are you music major or a theater major? Is that what's happening? No, I was an English major. I was always on a on our the writing path, and I I minored in drama, and so I was doing lots of shows there. And then uh, my freshman year, I had a, a teacher who who uh, in directing class and he really liked me and told me I should write a show. So I was like, okay. And I went home and I wrote a show, uh, a like sketch comedy show. And then I uh, put it up and directed it and cast it and put Ted in it. Um, and yeah, a friend of mine and me uh, directed it um, based on stuff we wrote. And yeah, I just was like, Ted, you gotta be in this with me. And then I wrote another show said in it again and um and so uh after the show ended i was like we got to keep working together and writing stuff so um i was like do you want to do comedy with me um and do a two-man team because you know at that point i don't know if you remember the very early 90s like if i saw one more comedian in a sweater in front of a brick wall <laughs> i was just going to take a hostage so i i really wanted to do something different and so we just we wrote these little weird things that we would perform on stage um and uh you know started performing around for maybe a year and a half maybe, where in say. queens yeah yeah in, in queens manhattan we did uh we did <laughs> we did clubs that aren't there anymore i don't know if that speaks to our act <laughs> or to the comedy scene at the time but like on long island we did chuckles Yep. Uh, Jimmy's Comedy Alley in Queens, yep. which is going way back. But we also did like Stand Up New York, and we did we we auditioned for Lucian. Oh wow! At um yeah, at the comic strip, and uh, he he <laughs> we did not pass. He passed on us. But uh, <laughs> what did he say? But Do you remember? He he kind of was flummoxed by us. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what we have here. Yeah, exactly. That was the tone, and that was pretty much what he said. He was just like, I, I'm trying to see an audience for you. And, like, <laughs> and, awesome. I, and I was like, that's valid. But, but we, had, we had some like hard and fast rules that just looking back are ridiculous. Like, we never would do the same material twice. Okay. Oh, God. You know, like, we were just stupid so like we we killed in our audition like like the one before that got us the audition right. and then when when we were 
doing it and Lucian was there, we just, we were like, all right, let's bring some new heat. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> the worst decision ever, you know. Oh, God. Oh, my but, God. But, but we, were... had, we had fun and we entertained each other. And we have some crazy stories of places. Like we, we performed at a mob run club out oh in uh, Brooklyn called Christopher's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had a dog act in front of us. <laughs> and yeah. and so like when we went on i like like ted put his his arms into a big hoop and i jumped through it and like we we were just like mocking everything that went on there and and there was like they had a contest there like for you know everyone it was supposedly like everyone had an equal chance of winning but every single week the owner's daughter would win uh, <laughs> lip syncing to Summer Wind by Judy Garland. So it was it was really bad, but but we had fun. Oh man. So you guys did the two man and then obviously, unfortunately, you broke up and you let Ted have his career. Did yeah, you go off and yeah. do a one man or did you go back and did you go back to I theater did, world? I, I did for a while, but um, I, I just was never, I was always more adversarial with the audience than Ted was. <laughs> Ted is very sweet. I, yes. You know how Ted is. Yep. He's, he's very well suited for this. Yep. He's, he's immensely talented. And he right off the bat had a kinship with the audience that I really never had. But we both, we, we both went solo together and we would like go together and watch each other and and stuff but he was just much better suited for that and i just fell more into the writing and uh yeah we went our kind of our separate ways did you, we were still best friends yeah uh, did you ever get a writing job anywhere or in the biz or did you transition before you got obviously mm, there was a big break before teacher's lounge yeah no i just kept writing like uh, theater pieces and and smaller things and uh and you know for websites and stuff and i i don't know i never um yeah i don't know i i kept thinking like ted and i kept writing things together and doing little short films right. together and we thought eventually well as far as like the quote-unquote biz was concerned uh that we would some at some point break through and have our own show somewhere. Yeah. Um, and right then, and at that point, you know, the paradigm was really Seinfeld and oh. had kind of, you know, plugged away and just um, did their own thing. So we thought maybe we might be able to follow like a million people trying to ape that success. But, um, but yeah, it was just, we never really quite knew what we wanted to do together. Um, so but then we kept writing you, you guys pieces and eventually... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Neil. Were you guys performing on two mics or all sketches? Like, like we're doing like Smothers Brothers or like sketch comedy? Uh, yeah, no, it was it was for two two Smothers Brothers. Um, oh, wow. yeah, and at that time there was only like one other one other group of like one other duo around town, and they were like, uh, I think it was. Red Johnny and the Round Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they murdered. Oh. Yeah, so they they took an instant disliking to us. Uh, <laughs> I, rem I remember one time in in particular at Jimmy's Comedy Alley, they were like like we were like opening for them or something, and they they were just like you know not sweet at all. They were just uh, kind of you know. You guys are you guys are younger and you're better looking. We don't like you. It's uh, that kind of thing. Well, that's funny because Neil loves to talk about Red Johnny and the Round Guy. We talk about them often because <laughs> that they, they were the biggest crushing act in the oh. history of stand-up comedy. And then the big guy goes, "I don't want to do it with you anymore." And the other guy is next thing you know, he's waiting tables, right, Neil? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, the night they broke up, for some reason, I I ended up in a bar with the other guy, Red, the round guy. Mm. Not the round guy. I read Johnny. I ended up at That's a bar, Johnny. me and him. Never talked to this guy in my life. Most depressed human being I've ever met. My <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it oh was my well. The comeuppance for in, them was big, uh, Hollis. That came across on stage too. Oddly. <laughs> yeah, the little guy, and then the little guy, right, Neil? And the little guy would do the act by himself. Yeah, he tried to do both the jokes by himself, and it was just—it oh. was tragic. <laughs> oh was, no. So you got the last laugh there, Hollis. I want to go real yeah. quick. Uh, you were in, I hadn't seen you. I knew you guys were doing that. And then I, that's where I kind of met Ted when he just, I think he, he, you guys were doing separately. And then maybe you got out of that. And then next thing I know, the next time I see you, you're in the, somehow in the porn business. What? Yeah. Doing I'm sure what? I needed the money. Yeah. Um, well, you weren't acting was, in the porn. Let me clear that up. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was softcore. I'm a, I'm a classic guy. Um, <laughs> it was uh, actually, um, I had always said I would never take a job that didn't make me a better writer. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> even if it sounded a little offbeat and weird. And <clears throat> so I had been, you know, casting about looking for something. And I ended up getting... Uh, how can I put this? There was there was an ad that was very cryptic <laughs> that a friend of mine sent me from a website that isn't there anymore, and and it was uh, basically you know do you like celebrities? Do you you know are are you good with words? Uh, it was this just kind of a Riddler puzzle, and so I was like uh, yeah I'll check it out. So I went and interviewed, and it turned out to be a celebrity stint. <laughs> which right. you know was like nude or semi-nude pictures of of celebrities and other women aspiring to be right. um and and so i ended up getting the job i became managing editor there <laughs> and three weeks later my boss left i did both jobs and then i became editor-in-chief <laughs> so i was i was running i was running i was editor-in-chief of celebrity skin magazine for about five years Jeez. Holy shit! That's amazing. Yeah, and then and were you writing? Like, what would you write? Yeah, That's what? Give me an example of, of like, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, well, it was different when I came on. There was it was a kind of a glorified picture book, and it had just an editor's note in the beginning, and then I kind of changed the whole front matter of the book, turned into like all of these like art house films that had nudity in them. And I would I would try to Trojan horse in all the kind of articles I wanted to write as long as they had like nudity in the film. I would just do a spread of that. (laughs) So, you know, you were seeing like, you know, all kinds of uh, like, I don't know, Fellini shit. And (laughs) but but anyway, but I also love trash. I love like Gator Bait with Claudia Claudia Jennings, like all these old school things. And so, um, yeah, it kind of was like that, but I'd have my editor's note every, every month that was at, or every, yeah, was it a buy? I don't, I even forget now if it came out. Um, yeah, I think it was a monthly. Why did, why did you um, get out of that business? Oh, uh, I don't, uh, it, it was a terrible business and <laughs> it, it, it got me hooked on a few things, uh, that were business adjacent, like, uh, cocaine, <laughs> and uh Jesus. you know a really uh 
a lack of sleep, uh, all kinds of things that that uh, kind of derail you from from doing better things in life. Um, and it was kind of a depressing job. Like everyone that pumps it out that kind of stuff, um, they're kind of a breed apart. Um, and and it's very much it's very much a kind of um, dark kind of sensibility that's around there no one's happy and and when you're when you're in that kind of thing and and no one wants to tell their friends what they do and whatever i I was still in my my early to mid 20s so to me it was just like hey look at what i do but (laughs) but you know everyone i was with were kind of half of them were lifers and it had taken the yeah the wind out of them but but i would hear all these great stories from the guys that were there forever of just like all these parties that they would throw and (laughs) you know the the high life of high society and sheree and all these magazines that are still put out in the same place as my magazine um you know they would throw these these wild bacchanals with like ushi de guard and like all these like 70s like russ meyer girls (laughs) on a bus partying out in the desert and like (laughs) you know so but the, the coolest thing was they would throw wild Christmas parties. And at one, uh, Beetlejuice gave out the presents. Do you remember that <laughs> yeah, guy? Yeah, from Howard. From Howard. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, he was an odd. Yeah, and yeah. He, was, he was like, he, got, he would get violent at times. <laughs> and I want to do anything. So they had to like almost taser him into submission <laughs> with, with like copious <laughs> amounts of vodka. It was just really like uncut, like just chugging Tito's out of the bottle. And and then he was just a little lamb and he, he gave me my presents at Christmas and Oh was, my god. Yeah. But it was a wild it was a wild job. All right, I got two questions oh, before I got two questions yeah. before we end the segment. Number one is how do you have all this background in all the pop culture? You're you mentioned in Gator Bay and all the yeah, you know, I mean, you have this amazing were you an only child who got stuck watching TV all the time? Was it the seventies influence of this booming medium how does that come into play and two the second one if you want to answer in a row is Mm -hmm. um if you've done so much stuff and we'll get to some of it in the next corner what if i had a if i say what's the dream what what's the gig Mm. okay well the the pop culture stuff i as a child i suffered horrible horrible nightmares uh so i was always up late at night watching tv um, I'm, I would wake up screaming. Usually, a, 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 my parents made the genius decision to bring me to see Jaws when I was like three or whatever. <laughs> and and a, a lot of them were shark related, but I, I had all kinds of <laughs> nightmares. Um, and so I would go, my mother would take me downstairs and make me some tea and sit me in front of the TV. And so I watched all night and, and usually all day. To this, to this day, I don't sleep well. Um, and, but I can function on a few hours sleep. Uh, kind of like a World War II so- soldier who's just like <laughs> kind of learned to deal with, well, two hours, what am I going to do? And, yeah. um, you wake up screaming, anyway, stop so, shooting! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and as far as, I wasn't quite an only child, but I had two older sisters, but there was a seven-year gap between mm. me and my elder sister. So, so uh, it was kind of, I was the baby. Um, so I did have a lot of time alone, morning, noon, and night. And uh, I became the same way when I got into music. <clears throat> and as far as like uh, the dream of what to do, I, I honestly 
always thought I would know what it is and then I would do it and it didn't quite fit. And my, my wife, even to this day, says to me, I, your problem is you're too talented. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't feel, you know, it's like the, the Brian Wilson line. I know I got, they say I got brains, but they ain't doing me no good. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, every, every single thing I've done so far feels a little bit like an ill-fitting suit, you know? Well, um, I, I have some suggestions in the next corner. Let's move on. Here we go. Great. I do a little bell. You can't hear it if you're on the phone, but <clears throat> it's there. Um, the second Great. one I talked to, one of your exploits is uh, children's books. And mm. okay, so I'm guessing I'm going to put two and two together. Hopefully you're a writer and you got out of the porn business, clean yourself up a little bit and decided to like go legit as far as children's <laughs> books and make actual money. And these are pretty big things you know so you get hired as a writer or yeah. you came up with this stuff like some of these when did this start let's put it that way well i i'm gonna blow your mind probably a little because there was an interim step uh i went out of the porn business directly into a religious magazine <laughs> <laughs> i well. i went from porn. i found salvation at uh yeah at um uh, like seriously like or ironically the, yeah, let's do your thing. Uh, I, I did. Um, I, I worked my first gig out of college was at um, McGraw Hill textbooks. Right. And uh, a friend that I had there was later at Random House and specifically Golden Books, the children's division. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "You're a good writer. Why don't you do some of these?" And so. Uh, I, I turned in a book and he was like, can you can you get it to me by like, you know, and he gave me a date that was ridiculous. It was like two weeks away. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I didn't know any better. So I handed it in a week early mm -hmm. and he was like, this is great. And I was like, oh, good. So I, I just had kind of an aptitude for it. And um, yeah, so I it turned out I was I was doing at the beginning, like Thomas the Tank Engine and stuff which is really kind of boring for me because it's like younger, much younger kids. Right. I'm not crazy about the characters. And then he started uh, giving me like cooler stuff. and Like Ninja I, Turtles, not, right? Yeah, Ninja Turtles and Paw Patrol and stuff that's uh, more like, you know, fun to do. And Fun and to yeah, do? Just, this is like huge. These are huge <laughs> things for children now that I have a kid. I mean, there's these are huge. Oh. You've been, yeah, you're being read by kids all over the planet. Yeah, I that. Yeah, I mean, my my buddy actually called me up one day, and he's like, "Are you, you know, with his on speakerphone with his two young girls?" And was like, "Are you aware you wrote this book?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I didn't. I, I never. Yeah, it never dawns on me to tell my friends with kids that I do this. Yeah, and they're always surprised. But um." But yeah, it's it 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 does sort of feel good when I stop and think. But I didn't grow up reading kids' books. Um, I was always reading crap that was like way too old for me. Right. And like I never and my and we didn't have a lot of money. We were very poor when I was growing up, and so I just my parents didn't buy me children's books. I I remember I'd be ex the only kid excited to go to a, a doctor's office because they had kids' <laughs> books like on the table. 
and and that's when I'd read like where the wild things are or whatever. But mm-hmm. I never grew up with them, so I, I guess I'm not. It doesn't really register that much. <laughs> this cat, um, mom. This cat has a hat. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um, this is amazing. But this is a huge. People don't realize. Maybe people do realize the children's book business. This is a huge business. If you can have a hit, yeah. you can have a yacht. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've I've come up with a couple of like story ideas and like pitch them or whatever. But I I think I'm, I think they may be a little too too out there or something. But um, you know, people just it's it's very like you said it yourself. It's big business. It's very money based. So everybody just wants to keep pushing like the real big money franchises. Right. So you know, it's it's hard to get like original characters going. Um, well, I mean, right this now. guy, Eric Carl, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He just passed mm. away. Brown, brown bear, brown bear. He, the very yeah. hungry cow. Like he was in his nineties and people are still reading his books. He wrote like 30 years ago. I mean, yeah, you just have that's to... a nice legacy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, they're still looking for new, you know, I think it, right. you got something new with a, with a theme or whatever they, you can get in the business, I think. But it's hard to be original, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it seems like a lot of things have been done already. or And, and also things that have been done in the last 20 years kind of have stolen different things from things that worked previously. So the field is very muddied right now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had a few... Uh, a few ideas that I, I kind of, I, I always think that if I talk out ideas, I won't write them. So I like, <laughs> I'm always reticent to like, you know, just say them, but, uh, but yeah, I'm working on a few things kid related, but I'm, I'm also working of my years in the porn biz. I missed Oh, wow. That. Yeah. I yeah. Missed. That's the reception I expect when it comes out. <laughs> just total, total silence. <laughs> but wait, Wait, can we go back? Can we go back to what, what? How do you go from the porn to the religious to the that magazine? Uh, the ma- well, wasn't was it a magazine? No, you were writing for them. Yeah, I I had um I started at, I'm I, I was trained as a copy editor, and so I started at um in in my early work as a copy editor at McGraw Hill and whatnot. And then I worked my way up to being an assistant editor and then an editor. And so the the job at Guideposts, which was a monthly magazine started by Norman Vincent Peale. I don't know if you know that name. Mm-hmm. He wrote yeah, the, yeah. Power, the Power of Positive Thinking right. back in the yeah. 50s or 40s or whatever. And he was a minister. And anyway, he started this. And it's the big, the big story is it's supposedly written by the readers. They send in their stories and we publish them. Well, the truth is very different. It's they send in their letters and their kind of half written stories or their remembrances or their testimonials. And then this grizzled group of 20 something New Yorkers kind of twist and turn them into a story. And then you have to call the person and get them to sign off on this story that you made up out of <laughs> out of you know of the fortune cookie they sent you and <laughs> and kind of uh then you put their name on it and it comes out so it was very so they kind of 
they really liked me and I rose in the ranks quickly because everybody like on the other end would end up signing over their story to me, even if, cause they're like, well, I don't like the way you guys did it, but I like you. And so I'll, I'll do, you know, so I ended up getting the real hard cases, but yeah, it was a bizarre job, but it made me a better writer. There you go. Anything that'll make them a better writer. You know, when you write, yeah. I know, um, Leslie wants to write. Leslie Jones wants to write a children's book. And we deal with her. But when we, I went and oh, really? researched this. Yeah, if you want to ghostwrite a children's book, um, mm. what's the target age? What's the overall theme? This like you have to oh, have this yeah. balance of illustration to words. I read all this stuff. Yeah, and new information on every page. Yeah, it's a math problem. <clears throat> and um, and but and then there's readability too. Yeah, you have to make it right for that age. Right, and it's like, okay, yeah. what what is the age range you're shooting for? Because there's so many different age ranges, and so it really yeah, is. Yeah, you uh, don't want to you don't want to overshoot, right? And you don't want to undershoot and miss her target audience, right? So it it is yeah. uh it's a very interesting business, but I do think celebrities have a better chance of getting stuff published than your average person, of course. Absolutely. Um, I think Jimmy Fallon gave me his book when I did the tonight show and it was like, it's called Dada. And then he went like mama, you know, I think he wrote a bunch of them and it's just pictures of, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, even HR from bad brains, the lead singer, he wrote a kid's book <laughs> and it's, it's all about positive mental energy. There you go for a kid. So yeah. Yeah. Celebs of all stripes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that I, you know, I didn't never thought, of people or writing these things, you know, like have to be like that. I always thought it was just one person writing, say, uh, um, Paw Power, a uh, Paw Power, whatever it is, you know, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, yeah. and and then you realize, like, no, it's a big conglomerate who has a team of writers. <laughs> like, I just, I had yeah. no idea why that dawned on me while I was researching this. Right. Well, it's you know they they try to handle it all in house when they can. Um, you know. Uh, there are a lot of because everyone wants to keep the money like the the, the cost down right and so i i was in publishing for a very long time and i saw that like they they slowly when i started at mcgraw hill there were so many of us <laughs> and we we each had a desk right. and some of us had windows and then slowly like they start firing people giving people the jobs two people used to do and now they have to do them and now like people are doing like what used to be five jobs so they try to handle it everything in house and i get the spillover because i work from home i'm mm. just freelance and so you know but there's so much work because these are so popular yeah. that uh you know it's... i still get in there is there any one of them that you go first of all i got two questions and we can end this segment one is um <laughs> Is there any one that you really want to do? Like you see a, a book out there and you're like, oh, man, I would love to give my spin on that. And then two, mm -hmm. um, is there any children's writer you look out there and you're like, I can't believe this is good. I mean, give me a break with this guy already. <laughs> uh, I don't know. For the second part, I don't know enough about the landscape right now with bad writers because I, I don't have time to... <laughs> even read the good ones, uh, let alone the bad ones. So I, I unfortunately won't be able to bash anybody. But um, <laughs> Well, I need you to bash them. Do you ever like pick up a book and go, this is going to be shit. I can tell by the illustration, you know, like. Oh, God. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but, but then I remind myself I'm not the target audience. Right. 
and and it, you know it's not age appropriate even within the the group of children the ages are kind of you can be one year out of that age and be you know you can be a seven-year-old and be like that looks like it sucks right you know because it's for a five-year-old <laughs> right for a six-year-old so yeah. yeah so i really don't know about that but the but the one thing that i i almost got a chance to do that i'm still kind of burning about and hoping it comes off is that um uh random house ended up signing with the stranger things people mm. and that that is a show that i enjoyed and I really, it was, I was going at, at one point I was about to do a book that was all of the, it, it collected all of the characters in the stranger things universe, but it also mixed them with kind of people, you know, uh, like, like Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster. Oh, wow. Like it, it kind of, it kind of normalized the stranger things universe because it was mixing both paranormal things mm -hmm. of this earth and and cryptozoologically with the stranger things thing so i was excited about that it was a concept my editor came up with and i was like yes yes when do i do this but the the stranger things people got skittish and pulled, pulled oh back. no yeah so oh hopefully man one day okay hopefully one day all right let's go to the next one neil you still ready right. ready for the next one yep because the next one's my favorite one Okay. Oh, All right. I want to talk about the Pop Culture Graveyard. For the people out there who haven't seen Woo. this, Pop Culture Graveyard is a YouTube site featuring deep dives on cool bands, vintage vinyl, and all things pop culture. And this is the guy. Okay. You record <laughs> this and edit yourself. Okay. The style, yeah. I'm, I'm addicted every time I watch this. I don't know if it's oh. the style or you. There is zero <laughs> fluff. It, every, you know, you got a couple, you bang yes. out a couple lines, but there's a lot of facts. And man, I wish I could tell stories like that when I watch it. I'm like, it is so <laughs> compelling for shit that I don't even left. I had no idea these bands exist or listen to. And I'm not, I was never a huge music guy, but, and I mean, mm. I definitely wasn't a vinyl guy. We've diff lived different lives, but I'm, fa I was always fascinated by people who did get into that, you know, like, but mm -hmm. I am, I would grew up in the television world um watching all that right. so any deep dives on that is fascinating and then i had heard about you doing this and you have a bunch of stuff like you know the who and blah blah, blah. yeah i can get into that which i'll tell you about that in a second but <laughs> when you did steely dan i'm like oh my god this is the one this and it's a two-parter i was i couldn't i lost my mind i called ted i'm like are you kidding me with this it's amazing uh, i was getting uh, vaxxed my first vac i'm online <laughs> and the lady's like you're next i was waiting online forever and the lady's like you're next i'm like i'm gonna need another minute because i gotta get through <laughs> asia you know and then and then i'm like this and you and it cuts off it's like oh we'll do part two next i was like no uh, no no whatever that was you know wherever i was in this thing like i gotta wait i waited a whole week like i was waiting for like the mail and then you oh, did wow. it it was amazing the steely dan one is just sick oh. are you reading from a prompter or uh no you just bang that out and then edit yourself yeah, I make I'm I make my notes like what I want to talk about and then I do that and then I just I cut out every single almost or, uh, every breath I take. Yeah. I just I think of it almost like I want it to be sort of I want these episodes to be sort of like a Ramones album, you know? Yeah. It's like if you if you don't like what I'm talking about now, just hang on a second because <laughs> the next thing's coming. Yeah. Uh you know, and just 
Mm -hmm. and and like you know youtube it's all about like giving people stuff quick and trying to entertain them and, and keep them around. And so I just, you know, I, I want to value people's time. So I edit them, I edit them down. Okay. And I also, I, I wanted to allow my own personality to hopefully come through. Like we were just hanging out and I was like, I couldn't stop talking about this band I love, but I wanted it to also be imbued with a little bit of the, like almost like a, a cream magazine come to life kind of. Yeah. Um, well, you nailed so, it for sure. And uh, also, thanks. I mean, you have listened to, I don't know, 70 billion hours of music and analyzed yeah. it over and over. And I swear yeah. to God, I, I don't know 90% of these albums nor, and oh. then, and then here's another level. And tell me if anything's like this. I can't, and I tell Neil all the time, I can't, lyrically, I what? can't I'm hear sorry, lyrics. I didn't hear that. I can't hear lyrics. That's my thing. I can't hear oh. lyrics. I tell Neil all the time. So really, if the song is good, you could basically be singing, ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da, you know, like it, as it's, it, <laughs> you know, I, I, eventually I'll catch on to your lyric if I really like what right. the music sounds like. Right. And, um. But, you were born too late, Neil. You should have been around in the 50s for the Bebopalula <laughs> era. You would have loved it. Oh, uh, no, not Neil. Oh, Neil, Neil, um, I don't know. <laughs> Neil looks like Springsteen, so I guess he's, uh, what are you, Neil, all lyrics then? Do mm. <laughs> what? Say again? You love Springsteen, so, like, you must love, what, are you into the lyrics of 41 Judds? Yeah, yeah. 41 I mean, Judds. Uh, yeah. I try to listen to the lyrics, but I don't take a, like a deep dive into them. But I, yeah, I try. Oh, you, I mean, yeah, I like I like lyrics, but you got to watch Hollis do this, Neil, because he'll tell you the lyric and what it means. Like, oh my God, where were you when I was growing up? Maybe it would have made all more sense. <laughs> but Steely Dan is so interesting because I basically started with like a mm. master class in cryptic lyric writing and yeah you know some of your stuff was like we like i knew some of it because i had done deep dives from reading some of their stuff like i knew what the fez was and i yeah. knew you know like where they got their name from but it's like oh my god it like even not only do you tell me the fact but you'll also like have a little kind of side quip to the fact <laughs> yeah i'm like this is just so good can we make this into a game show is my one of my questions like why oh. aren't you a pop culture oh, writer like a game why isn't this a game show i think you and i need to put our heads together and pump that out i think we can <laughs> do that and i think at some yeah. point i might be able to help you with that pitch that to a Great. network Great. so maybe we Let's can do, do that. it um we will we'll be the new parker brothers they <laughs> Well, I'll get that off the ground and I'll be like, see this guy, I'm going to just let, I'm going to put my name on his producer and I'm going to let him do the rest because he's that good. Um, the replacements, the Velvet Underground, Lou Reed, mm. and then the, you'll go to Carl Reiner and Susie and the Banshees. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you got to do more TV too, because I'm like the TV guy and both, a lot of it is bands. Oh, okay. And like Susie yeah. and the Banshees to me had like one hit and I can barely remember it, but then... You know, oh. but I, I can watch you talk about Carl Reiner all day for sure. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I had to. I when he passed, I just had to do an episode on him because he was a big influence. Um, you know, he was he was often he was both the guy and he was also the guy behind the guy. Right. You know, he just uh, he really appealed to me on so many levels, and um, and yeah, and just and and didn't let the business twist him into some kind of jaded 
you know, guy, like a lot of those, those older guys are, mm -hmm. he just stayed beautiful to the end. So he was, uh, he deserved it. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of fell into the thing of doing, you know, because until you get a massive audience all yourself, uh, and until the algorithm helps and pushes you out a little as a young channel, you kind of have to niche down as they say, yeah. and kind of, you know, create a tiny audience. Like, this is what I do. I do the same thing every week. And then a after a while, when you have, quote unquote, your own audience, or you find your tribe or whatever, mm -hmm. then it becomes a lot easier. Like, I feel like covering this this week. And you can just do a hard left turn and not lose people who are still tentatively kind of. Hey, man, yeah. I got to get on board. I got to believe me. I did a couple yeah. of, a couple of like, OK, let's what he's, let's see what he's got to say about the who, because I know the who I don't, you know, necessarily know some <laughs> of these other bands. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, I'm up to three o'clock in the morning. Hollis, what are you doing to me? Oh, because I went great. down the, the who rabbit hole and I'm counting <clears throat> on you. Are you into as into this stuff as you were back in the day? Like, do you how do you <sighs> like when you're a kid, you're just immersing like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like I I created this channel sort of because I wanted a channel like this and there wasn't one. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to create the channel that I wanted to watch. And in doing it, it's kind of reawakened my love of all this stuff because I was like, you know, I, for some reason, you kind of you forget you don't listen to music the way you did when you were a kid right. or when you were a teenager or something. And so I wanted to go back and give it the full thing and not have a computer in front of me or a TV screen or, you know, multitasking has kind of killed the magic of a lot, a lot of music. And when you, when you just sit and listen to an album and then you get up and you flip it over and you listen to it again, and you know, it's much different when you give music your full attention. And so this show has helped me to do that again. And it's really wake, reawakened my love of all the music that, and I was like, yeah, I was right. I was right. In my view. <laughs> this, this does rock. This is great. Let and, me... I, and now I still love getting turned on to new stuff. And now I listen to it with those same ears. So well, that's what I, well, first of all, you should be working for a record company. No question. Cause there is a bunch of like, yeah. bands I've never heard of like bikini kill. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh. Like, yeah, you're like, really? oh, bikini kill. I'm like, bikini oh, kill. I'm God. still working on trying to discover um, <laughs> Bowie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know. Wow. You know, um, yeah, there's some, believe me, 90% of your collection I've never heard of. But Oh, my God. I hope that doesn't dissuade you from, from enjoying them. No. I mean, no, I enjoy your show for sure. Okay. It's like, and I definitely went down the rabbit hole of like, oh, here are my top 20 albums of like 2020, I think it was. Oh, and yeah. I go down there. I don't know. I know two, like maybe two out of the 20. <laughs> and then I get to the end. And then, of course, I'm like, now I'm deep diving these artists. I'm like, I never heard of this girl. And it's like, yeah, she's probably amazing. And I'm never going to hear of her because of the way music runs these right. days. You know, they're all like underground acts. Um, Quick yeah. questions. Let me, let me, I got to get to some of the stuff. Before okay. 1968 and one, you said mono was just as good as stereo. How is that possible? I said just as good. Well, I think you, you had two albums you were holding up. I think the who recorded twice. Like one was in mono, one was in stereo. And you're like, it's oh, just as good. this is the new, yeah, no, this is the new packaging on the who sell out. Okay. which came out in both stereo and mono. And I was talking about how this, this album was right on the cusp of stereo becoming the preferred listening uh, format. Right. And so 
prior to 68, most bands in the 60s, from the Beatles on down, uh, they paid special attention. George Martin especially paid special attention to the mono mix. And the stereo mix was an afterthought because there were so few people that used stereo. Um, and, and, you know, that was like more of a different audiophile thing. And the mono was king. Well, and so why did it change? Uh, mainly because more people got stereos. It was like, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were listening on transistor radios at the beach or, oh. you know, on, on whatever. And, and DJs would, would, you know, need the mono mix. And it would, it was just like the mass accepted kind of format. But later people wanted, you know, better, you know, high, higher fidelity, if you will. And so that's why stereo really took over. Amazing. Here's my next one. Neil, okay, don't give it away, Hollis, because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to quote you. But Neil, people ask you, when people bring up, do you like the Beatles or the Stones, Neil? Beatles or Stones? Beatles. All right, there you go. Um, I probably would say the Beatles, but that's not what Hollis says. You don't ask that. (laughs) Beatles or Stones. Hollis says it's more like the Kinks and the Who. That's that's Word. who were the rockers, right, Hollis? Yeah, those are the guys that spoke to me. And those are the guys <laughs> who, like, I still can listen to this day. And uh, I feel an immediacy. I feel an excitement. And it it speaks to me like the other bands don't. I, I love the Stones. I think the Beatles are great. But I don't listen to them on the regular. All right, let me ask you this about Lola, because it's the King song I know, right? Mm. Okay, did people know back then that Lola was a guy? Did they listen to lyrics and go, he, this was a, this was a, you know, the story behind this, and they wanted to know, because mm. this is a story about Ray Davies, right? He, he actually yeah. was at a club, and he took a girl home, and it was a guy. So he wrote the song. Am I, I, I think I got the facts right, but do that you... Is, yeah. And that's, that's it, right? But did people it, know what they the were story. singing? Uh, I, I, I think even to this day, half, half the people who sing along, you know, you know, the type that just, they'll, they'll drink beer and scream at the top of their lungs. Yeah, that's me. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of them give, give, uh, too many thoughts about it. That's um, what I'm saying. I'm like, but, people all going YMCA, like the, the yeah, exactly. you're basically the you're doing a gay pride parade and for yeah. 30 years, nobody knew what the sure. hell that was. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And and I think it's always been that way. And that's the great and the horrible thing about music. Like it, it's, uh, you know, like uh, some of these people who are like, you know, when a when a, a band is like, hey, don't play our loving music at your shitty, you know, right wing wingding. <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're yeah. always taken aback. Like what? But I didn't know. It's like, listen to the lyrics, asshole. I hate people <laughs> like you. <laughs> exactly. You know? The band band's yeah. like, so it's so upsetting. All right. Let me go with my yeah. quick history. And then I want you to tell me what wait, happened. Wait, I got one, go I ahead. Got go, one Neil. question. Go. Okay. So this is a question about music. Is it, be- was it, is it better or was it better just to go in and buy like an album at a store than the way I consume music now is just go to iTunes. I mean, iMusic and just, just listen to shit. I don't mm-hmm. get the album experiences. It wasn't it better. Mm-hmm. Or am I wrong? No, it, I think that it was way better. I think that the, if the act itself feels disposable, then the music itself can't help, but 
but sound a little disposable too. Right. And and you know, I used to I used to DJ and spin all this vinyl and towards the end of my DJ career, I would just see a you know, a fellow DJ across from me and he'd put up his phone and he'd have it shazamming. And like nine <laughs> times out of ten, it couldn't find the song because I you know, play a lot of rare vinyl. But but every once in a while he would find the song and then I'd be at his DJ night and he plays this song on his you know, iPod that he bought for 99 cents. And it's like, I tracked down my copy for 10 years at this little <laughs> store in the East village. And it's like, it, it is different. It means more when you work hard to get that knowledge for yourself. I think, first of all, I think everyone should, should, you know, get music. I'm not going to slam formats because whatever, you know, technology is what it is. And however people can listen to great artists, you know, that's God bless them. But I, I think when you buy something and you get to hold it in your hands and look at it and flip it and kind of read the lyrics, it, it is a much different experience. And I think that's behind the vinyl resurgence more than anything else. No question. And I think it, what you do best is like the romanticizing of it. It's not a joke. I mean, it's really like there yeah. is a romantic era of music here mm -hmm. where you did go do that exactly what neil said buy the album wait for the new album oh my god their new album's coming out and go <laughs> yeah. get it and like listen to it in your room and close the door mm -hmm. yeah there was that and now that is long i think that i don't know if it's long gone yeah. but it's definitely different maybe it'll do it in your ipad but it was a different thing when it was vinyl um, yeah especially since a lot of those bands you feel like they belong to you that's so right that helps with that you know it's a it's a it's yours i look back now and i say the 70s was just an unbelievable time for it. so many different types of music that was out there and we didn't even know mm -hmm. what was happening then i go to college 80s was a little same kind of thing with a very techno end of that and then grunge kind of killed that and now rap yeah. has finished it all off where are <laughs> i mean we, am i nuts or is it all it's death we've hit the bottom <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you still can find the bikini kill or, or, or whoever the top 20 is, but they, those people aren't making it like the stones did in the seventies. Yeah, no, the, the, you know, if there's one horrible thing about society as a whole, and there's a trickle down effect everywhere, including in music, it's that money is king money talks. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, you can't even get signed to anything anymore unless you have a million plus followers because they're like, well, at least those people will buy it. And if that's your criterion, then of course everything sucks and nothing's getting through. Um, and true art is, is dying. But even within that, I mean, I, some of the things like, like I talked about in that, um, top 20 and it was top 20 of the last 20 years, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, the, I talked about the Midwest emo scene, aka the screamo scene, right. uh, and it and how a few of those bands I really loved, and and they hit me with the same immediacy of the Ramones, and I really kind of I couldn't get I couldn't get over how much I would I would listen to this music and and just play it over and over again for like a month, hmm. you know, the way I used to when I get a new album. And I was excited about it. So the, there is good music out there. It's just harder to find. Is like there... even in, in Australia, there are bands like uh, Emil and the Sniffers. Uh, <laughs> like there's there's bands that are just, uh, they're, 
you know, I was saying about the channel, how it's everyone's niching down. The bands are doing that, too. And outside of their tiny scene, you know, they're not really known now. Um, but tomorrow, some big company could come along and shove them down your throat, you know? Mm-hmm. I hope so. so. But how do you find the bands from Australia? I mean, how do you find that band? Well, there, they were. I, there was another band that I liked, who from Australia that just they had a video go viral, and it's called I'm on Smoko, and <laughs> I, I'm blanking on the name of the band now. But Smoko apparently means a smoke break in Australia, mm. and so uh, it, it's just the most fun. If you do me a favor and look up I'm on Smoko, I forget the name of the band now. It's <laughs> killing me, but but. Um, you know, at your leisure. And I think you'll, it's hysterical and it's got that punk energy from like the late seventies even. And, and so I, you know, it made me feel better about kids out there now making music <laughs> it's, and what they're trying to do. And so from that band, I got to aim on the sniffers. It's the chats. <laughs> What's that? The chats. Is that who they yes, are? The yes. Chats. The chats. That's it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. I, again, unless you said that I would never, ever, <laughs> Here, um, I wanted to well, thank. Your life will be the better for it. Yep, I want to just. I got two more questions, and we got to move on. Um, okay. Steely Dan Asia album is my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I not changed my life, but I mean, I I like. Oh my God, what is it? I've said this on many a, to most of the musicians we've had on too. Like I I've had the what is this moment twice, and one is Stevie right. Ray Vaughan, and the other one was Steely Dan. And it's wow. just like, wow, like this is, and I think if I was, a, if you're the only one who will kind of understand this, if I, if uh, people like, what's your comedy act? If I could make one band, it would be them. I mean, it, my comedy, yeah. it's sardonic. That's how I describe myself a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, it's weird that that kind of, there's a synergy there. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, not totally. hard run. Um, and I just wanted to thank you for that. So I'm wearing this the T-shirt that you saw the that you touted the oh, WJAZ. Oh my God, I love it so much. And Neil, <laughs> nobody knows, nobody has what not one compliment. I 99 I don't wear anything yeah. with writing on it, but I walk around and I'm waiting for just somebody to go. I know what that is, and it's awesome. You know, like I it's just waiting. Does does every time I wear uh, it, just one? I just need one person to go. That's a cool yeah. T-shirt. Because when yeah. I saw it, I was like, "That's a cool T-shirt." It's so true. And yeah, my buddy Dave makes them. Dave Tees.com, I believe. Oh, that's and amazing. he it he prides himself on all of his T-shirts being like so inside. They just speak to like. I don't know, the, the five percenters, if I can borrow that phrase for a horrible usage. And and it really is just, uh, you know, if you get it, you'll if you don't get it, you'll just be like anybody else. But if you get it, you'll just be blown away. Holy shit. That's amazing. So I'm so <laughs> glad you appreciate that. Yes, I do. So I want to thank you for that. And listen, yeah. people go watch this pop culture graveyard. It's insane. It, if you pop like me, dot com, go to dot com and it'll take you where it'll take you down roads and you will go down rabbit holes and you know, you'll start looking up stuff. I, I must've spent two nights looking up stuff about the who about the fake commercial jingles uh in that album like what it's insane it's insane go please go watch house all right let's go to the next one all right the fourth corner we we're going to do a quiz so neil of course i have the uh the the construction workers working out my window so i'm going to try and mute myself as much as possible but we're going to do an 80s uh i'm sorry i'm going to do a 
80s music quiz, Neil. So hang up and I will call you back. Let me do Hollis and I'll call you back, Neil. All right, call me back. All right, bye. All right. Let me make sure he's gone because he cheats, as everybody knows. Yep, he's off. So, all right. Oh, so he's in like the isolation. Booth. Yes, we put him in the isolation booth. When he's here, wow. I have to put him in the back room because, yeah, he cool. very competitive. So his record for we're almost at two hundred shows now. He's gonna, you know, maybe he's won. I mean, we don't do it every show. So if we've done a hundred quizzes, he's probably won, yeah. you know, fifteen percent of the time. But right. um, he's not winning today. I can tell you that. So, so what I want to do well, here? I, I hope I hope I do well because it's I, not like my entire channel is based on my music knowledge, and this could really hurt me. Oh no, this won't this won't hurt you at all. So <laughs> I'm gonna give you the. Uh, uh, did I do this last week? I hope not. No. Oh, I think I did it backwards with him. We'll see if he can. You know what? Even if I did do this last week, he's so stupid, he probably won't get this right. So I will give you the, the um, I'm going to give you the lead singer. You give me the band. That's all you got to do. okay. All right. Wait, what did I quiz? I have to look up what quiz I did last week. I, I hope I didn't print the wrong one. I think, all right, whatever. I still think he won't get it right. So let's, let's do this. Okay. Brett Michaels. Uh, poison. Yeah. D. Snyder. Uh, Twisted Sister. Annie Lennox. Eurythmics. David Lee Roth. Van Halen. David Coverdale. White Snake. Sebastian Bach. Skid Row. Chrissy Hine. Pretenders. Simon Laban. Duran Duran. Steven Tyler. Aerosmith. Rob Halford. Judas Priest. Morrissey. <laughs> the Smiths. The, Robert Smith. The Cure. Mark Knopfler. Dire Straits. Mike, Michael Stipe. R.E.M. Danny Elfman. Boingo Boingo. Brian Setzer. Stray Cats. Mark Mothersbaugh. Evo. Yeah. Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith. Fears for Fears. Yeah. Dave Mustaine. Uh, Megadeth. And David St. Hubbins. <laughs> Spinal Tap. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'll call and bring him back in. But I think, I swear to God, we did this two weeks ago. And, uh, really? Yeah, and he will still won't get 20 right. Let's see that dumb dumb. Because <laughs> I want, <laughs> maybe I messed the up. The lack of person. respect. Yeah, the lack of respect. That, like, oh, yeah, he's not going to. Let's see. <laughs> All right, let me get him back in here. Do I got a chance? Uh, hold on one second. Do you Hello? have? Yes. Do you have a chance? No. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's this is how I'm gonna prove to everybody how ridiculous you are, because I swear. Wait, if there was tw hold on, if there's 25 questions, did did Hals uh, get 28? Yeah, he almost, I mean, he's got one of the rare perfect scores. So, uh, but here's the thing, Neil. I think I screwed this up because I wanted to make it harder. And then I ended up using Peter Boris's quiz. So basically, I think I'm doing the same quiz as I did for him. So you only have to remember the correct answers <laughs> from the last time. And I don't even think you can do it. Oh, uh, you want to? No, because that means that involves test taking. 
No, all you have to do is tell me the answers from la- from like two weeks ago. That's all you have to remember. So, all right, let's give it a whirl. I apologize to the fans who are listening. If I did, all right, I'm gonna give you like the lead singer. You give me the band. Did we do that with Peter? I hope so. <laughs> all right, here we go. Brett Michaels. <laughs> Poison. Yeah, D. Snyder. Yes, I'm, it's coming back to me this quiz. <laughs> Go ahead. I got a chance. Twisted Sister. Annie Lennox. Eurythmic. David Lee Roth. Van Halen. David Coverdale. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is when it all went bad last time. Yeah, you can't even remember. I get, We went through the answers. <laughs> This is hilarious. No, but I remember I failed all heavy metal, so I'm going to go heavy metal. That's, so, wait, that, it's not say even his him. name again. Say his name David again. David Coverdale. Rat? <laughs> oh, God. Stink. Oh. White Snake. Oh, I, that's right. You gave me the Tanya Katane. Yes. Oh. Sebastian Bach. Oh, I... I'll pa- I passed on that one. Yeah, you still don't. You, you literally can't retain knowledge for a week and a half. Um, that would be Skid Row, Chrissy Hine, uh, Pretender. Yeah, Simon LeBon, uh, Duran Duran, Steven Tyler. Yep, Aerosmith, Rob Halford, Judas Priest. I missed that one. See, I did retain that All one. All right, good. <laughs> Morrissey, uh, The Smith. Yep. Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Yeah, you got this wrong last time, too. I I remember. Is that a heavy metal band again? No, this would be emo, or am I right on that one, uh, Hollis? Uh, More New Wave. New Wave. Roxy Mute? No. uh, I don't know. I can't remember. The Cure. You still stink. Mark Knopfler. Oh, Dire Straits. Yes. Michael Stipe. You got this wrong, too, if I remember right. Now no, should... no, I got R.E.M. Okay. Danny Elfman. Yeah, I got Oingo Boingo. Did you? Ma- yeah. Brian Setzer. It's a straight cat. Mark Mothersbaugh. Didn't get that one. No, you didn't. I don't even know how you do that. This guy might be the most famous, the most richest one. He does music for everything. <laughs> He does so films. Devo. Oh, that's right. No, I guess that, but I guess it on the early one. That's what I guess the Devo. Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith. Oh, Tears for Fears. Yes. Dave Mustaine. Oh, I didn't get that one. <laughs> but give me a hint on that one. Mm, I don't know. Go ahead, Hollis. Give him a hint. Heavy, very heavy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> heavy and fast. Yeah. It's like if you did if if you passed away but really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who. Mega death. Oh that yeah, I wouldn't I that, not that I don't want to hear I didn't listen to Mega All right, Death. and David St. Hubbins. And if you don't know this one as far as I'm concerned, you didn't live through the eighties. What are you talking about? David St. Hubbins. Classic <laughs> lyricist. <laughs> wrote stuff like Big Bottom and Hellhole. Hell Hole and Tonight <laughs> We're Gonna Rock It. <laughs> 
I know what you're talking about. That's from that movie. That's the, that's the, what's it called? God, you stink. What? You stink. You stink. It's your favorite movie of all time. Everybody's favorite movie of all time because it's amazing. Yeah. Go all ahead. Right. Uh, spinal Tap. You, you get the buzzer for that. Spinal Tap, Neil. You couldn't even figure that out. F. I failed. You failed I'm again. On, I'm just, I'm down on myself because usually I just lose, but now I lose and now I'm really dumb. It's funny. These tests are culturally biased now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm probably like, because Peter likes music and then we had Hollis. I wonder if I have a, maybe I printed the wrong one. Who knows? Oh my God. All right, Hollis. The way we end the show is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Neil, you start. What good thing or bad thing happened to you this week? I got a good and bad. Good is I actually came to Virginia. My whole family's together. That is so good. that's a really good thing. Yep. And the bad thing is I got sick. And then I I thought I got oh, really no. sick and it was oh. and then I thought I was really sick and then and then I I got COVID tested but I didn't have it and I'm fully vaccinated. But then the thing is the thing that made me most angry is I worked so hard not to get sick for like a year and a half. And when you get <laughs> sick, it's just so depressing. That is I, true. I, I mean, I really worked hard. I mean, I've worn a mask every, you know, I've done everything right. And then I come down mm. on my first vacation. Boom. I, I just have, I guess I don't know, even know how I got sick. But Well, I, I got sick too in a different place. I got sick here. And it's, and, and it's so funny because the sec, it's, we were going down to the comedy cellar and they would give everybody a new microphone. And so they would have a bucket of microphones oh. that was clean with like a little condom on the top of it, a little cozy. And then <laughs> you would finish, you'd unplug the cord, hand the cord to back to the MC, take your mic, throw it in the, you know, to, to be sanitized and leave. And the next guy would do the same thing. Great. The set, they, they stopped doing that like a week and a half ago, like two weeks ago. The second they did that, I got a cold. The second, oh. it's unbelievable. It has to be related. It's crazy. Yeah. And then it just went around, boom. And that's the only place. Yeah, I'm wearing my thing on the subway. I'm, I'm not touching anything on the subway. It's got to be there. It had to be the microphone and shaking hands with the host or whatever. It's like, mm. it's insane how that goes around. Um, but yeah, it wow. was, I went and bought a home, uh, you know, COVID test and, and did that. Mm -hmm. You can get that for $30, which give you some peace of mind. But, you know, yeah. now I was kept wondering, can I still taste stuff? Can I? We both failed. We both, I mean, uh, but I never used to give a shit about catching colds and shit, but I, I, I just. That's it. It, it yeah. got me. Yeah. Well, now yeah, you're going to be it. paranoid post, for another two yeah, years. Post-COVID. You're, you're paranoid by, about every little sniffle post-COVID. Yeah, it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm worried every time I get on a plane because it's like, is the guy in front of me a mm -hmm. shoe bomber? You know what I mean? Like, uh. you know, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got you. You know, we, you know we, we all have to take off our shoes every time we have to do that. Now, I used to be able to run to a plane. You'd get on. You just run to the gate and yeah. be on it. And now those days are over. And it's the same thing yeah. as this nonsense. You know, it's... We're all going to be wearing masks probably for years until we feel comfortable mm, yeah. not wearing a mask. I think you just, I'm going to watch no more, I think I'm going to watch no more TV because. Wait, I lost you then, Neil. I came to my parents' house and they had a, they have a crack in the bedroom wall and then all that shit happened in Florida. My first thought is like, oh shit, crack <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> probably not safe to stay in a one story house. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You want completely lost my mind. If, I, if, I feel bad if it falls, you want to be on the bottom floor or the top floor, Neil? That's <laughs> you know, it's, fun, 
or nothing would happen. I think if you're on the top one, you could land safely. But if you're on the bottom one, it's going to come crashing on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you could tough. surf down. Don't think I haven't thought about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to be higher and lower. I'm right in the middle of my building. So it's going to just, uh, I'm going to get Malachi crunch. That's the boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, Hollis, it's one good, good thing or one bad thing of the week? Uh, well, the, the bad thing was I had a headache right before the podcast, <laughs> but I don't have it anymore. Ah. So oh. thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> and the, the one good thing was uh, this week, I just two days ago, I reached uh, 1,000 subscribers on Pop Culture Graveyard. That is awesome. Oh, wow. And congratulations with that. And you also have a Patreon thank for you. that as well, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash pop culture graveyard yes go if you love music and you want to do deep dives into stuff and you just really i mean it's worth i mean if you are a music guy and you could see the comments on the videos of people leaving comments they all love it they all love oh, this. that makes me feel so good yes I, I get some of the best comments ever yeah and, and it's it really, really like, it worth it because you're doing a lot of work for and for people who love music for nothing it, for nothing yeah <laughs> And they and nothing but those comments, yep. you know, yeah, from yeah. from like mine. So it feel, it feels good and it makes it worth it. Um, I'm such a small channel. <laughs> My uh, good thing or bad thing of the week is, um, well, I've. Finished my first 30 pages of the screenplay I'm supposed to be working on, and uh, it passed uh, Neil Potter uh, scrutiny, and it also passed Leslie Jones scrutiny. We're doing a little editing, and it should be ready to go off to the producers so they see if they can oh, not that's throw great. up. That's a, that's a big deal. That yeah, is it's a, a big thing. deal. Yeah, we have sold a movie from the 70s, by the way, a remake of a movie Ooh. from the 70s, um, which would be good for your pop culture graveyard. We'll tell you what it is when we get off. Oh, and, good. Yes, and um, it, it's, it's a pretty... Well, we'll talk about it. Um, okay. If you like black exploitation movies, I, I would love to see <laughs> Hollis James talk about black exploitation oh, movies. And and I do. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so that's my good thing of the week, um, Hollis. This has been amazing. I could ask you questions all day. Uh, I have so many. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing this. It's if you want to see more on Hollis, obviously it's popculturegraveyard.com. Don't you have a, a, a Twitter as well? that you yeah want. i'm on i'm on instagram mostly it's at pop culture graveyard yes but i'm on the twitter too i'm everywhere hollis is everywhere he does everything buy his children's books go watch pop culture graveyard hopefully someday i'll be able to figure out what to do with his immense talent and <laughs> put him on great. tv somewhere and because he's <laughs> like a rolodex of information for sure so hollis thank you so much for doing this Thank you. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you, Neil. All right. And we'll see everybody next week. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast.